It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some sacks. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked. Deshaun Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders defense holds on fourth down. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's Big Boy Radio. That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And that's easy to say that, clearly. Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. And now, here's JT the Brick. Appreciate you coming back, JT in Vegas. Thanks for listening worldwide on Raider Nation Radio on the Raiders mobile app. As we continue, we have the voice of the Raiders. Uh, Jason Horowitz will join us in a few minutes. Also, Hall of Fame voter Howard Balzer. We'll talk to him about the Raiders and what he sees. Also, he covers the Arizona Cardinals. They're coming off a big win. And we'll go around the league at some point in the show here because I'm going to be doing more NFL in the next couple of weeks for obvious reasons. NFL, there's a sports talk show based with Raiders. I give you more opinions in 10 minutes than some shows give you in a month. You got the opinions here. We're going to be talking about NFL, LeBron, some of the stories, Kyrie. Kyrie now is going to miss his seventh straight game. So the suspension should have been a minimum of five. Now it's going past seven. So what's going to happen to him there? And the World Cup, which what hurts about this, because I love this time slot. I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn. And I'm on pretty late at night on my other show, but I want to watch World Cup, and I'd like to watch World Cup with you. And the United States and Wales and the United States and England, it's kind of a conflict with this show. So we'll be on the air here, but I want to get out with the masses and see World Cup soccer, which is by far the biggest sport in the world. It's 10-plus Super Bowls, period. The whole world is watching. The whole world isn't watching our Super Bowl. The whole world is watching World Cup, and the United States are in it. And they're in a tough spot here. They got a couple of games out of the gate. I think they're going to beat Wales. I don't think they'll beat England, but they could. One thing about soccer, it could be low scoring, man. You can be a one nothing, one nothing game in the 80th minute and have a shot, have a real shot. Uh, today we've been talking about the noise amongst the Raider Nation and how people are reacting to Mark Davis supporting the, the head coach, which I think he should. I always thought that Mark would give Josh McDaniel several years to try to fix this team. Raider fans, some of them are unraveling. They want the coach fired after nine, after eight, after seven. By the way, these are the same fans who wanted to fire him after three games. <laughs> really, they are. But now they're just getting more energetic and more opinionated, and they have the right to. But for the coach here, he's trying to navigate through this really uncomfortable time. All these tight game losses, I think, make for more negative energy because fans are teased, right? They're teased into thinking they can win all these games with having the ball in the last possession, having the lead, blowing it. So you really think the team is better than their record? I do. I think this is a five-win team, a four-win team. They played nine games. I, don't, I didn't say they'd be 9-0. and oh. I had them winning 10 this year. I'm completely off on that, like most people are. But you know, the Raiders should be 4-5. and five. I think that's all I'm asking for is the two wins against Arizona and Jacksonville. I'm not saying the Kansas City game. I'm not saying the Indy game, which is which hurts, because I thought Indy was the better team. And that says a lot, as I'm saying that on the flagship. I thought Indy was the better team. I was there, front and center at Allegiant Stadium. Indy was the better team, but the Raiders had a chance to win it late. And they weren't able to do it. Here's a nifty fun fact, if you like them. The Raiders scored 32 points against Denver. No other team in the NFL has scored more than 19 points this year against the Broncos. 
How about that? Raiders won 32 to 23 on October 2nd. These are the teams that they played. They lost to Seattle. Seattle put up 17. They beat Houston. Houston put up nine. Uh, the 49ers, remember that game? They won. They won that game 11 to 10. Then they lost to Indianapolis 12 to 9. They gave up 19 points at the Chargers when they lost 19 16. So 19 is the high mark, other than the Raiders getting 32. Then 16 in the loss to the Jets. 17 in the win against Jacksonville, and the Titans beat them 17 to 10. So the Raiders, 19 points is the most until the Raiders put up 32 on them. Why did the Raiders put up 32 on them? I'm going to go back and watch that game this week. I thought they put great pressure on Russell Wilson. If you recall that game, Russell Wilson was under a lot of duress from Max Crosby. And the defense, they really were, and Russell Wilson was never comfortable. Also, Denver had some drops in that game. They didn't get the running game going. And Carr did enough. I thought he didn't pick apart the defense, but he made big throws in that game to win. So I expect the Raiders to go into Denver and win, just like I thought they'd go into Jacksonville and New Orleans and win. That wasn't the case. They're going to have to play a much tighter game. They have to get going, and they have to be great. Yes, they have to be great, and they have to be fast, and they have to be physical. They have to be physical all the time, and I don't see enough physicality on the defensive side. I don't see the physicality at all. I don't see the physicality on defense. The one thing that could make me happy is if they came out and I don't want to see penalties. I don't want to see penalties at all. But what I want to see is physicality and the ability for them to come out and and go crazy and put their hands on someone. I don't want to see cornerbacks and slot cornerbacks give eight to nine yards cushion. I don't. If you don't have any confidence with the safeties over the top, then that's a problem. Then why is Trevon Merrick on this team? If he can't handle someone getting by a corner after the first four, six, seven yards, what's happening here? I mean, can't, can't these corners get really, really, really aggressive? Can't they do that? I would like Patrick Graham to instill that. We have some Patrick Graham sound coming up here momentarily. Let me get John in Orange County as we wait for Jason Horowitz. Go ahead, John. Thanks for calling. Well, JT, thanks for taking my call. You Thank know, you. Um, I was listening to what you said about Carr running, and yeah, during the Denver game, uh, Josh McDaniels did say that he didn't like Carr running. So I, I don't think that's part of the system. But you know, if it gets the if it gets the play extended, why not just do it? I get it, wanting to do it your way, but if your way is not working, you got to pull something new. I mean, that's that's just as, as a fan perspective. Um, other things I've been seeing is, like another caller said, the body language. Yeah, you shouldn't have to motivate a person, but, you know, I'm in the mm-hmm. military, and I can tell you body language in a unit is key. Yep. Uh, if anybody's not getting along or any type mm-hmm. of, you know, chance or types of finger pointing going on in the in behind the scenes, it's going to fracture that unit. It, it, yep. it's, it's just bound to happen, you know. And, I mean, I get it, you know. Do your job. That's what mm-hmm. they say. Do your job. But Yeah, well, pretend I you're doing How about we pretend to do your job? How about, you, how about when the camera's on you, you show the body language, and you get fired up, and then whatever you do in practice, whatever you do at home with your family, whatever you do at the restaurant, no one's keeping an eye on you, but just be, and I got a guest, I got to run, my friend. I think your point is well taken. There's enough people talking about the body language of players or certain players that I like to see. Max Crosby's running around like an airplane, sacking people and jumping up and pointing to the crowd. Just follow Max, okay? You don't have to be Max Crosby. You don't. 
But just pretend you're Max Crosby for a football game and then do whatever the hell you want the rest of the day. Pretend you have the energy of Max Crosby, and I think that would help the team. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm wrong. Jason Horowitz joins us kind enough. He's the voice of the Raiders. And coming off that loss, the good news is I met your daughter who was in the booth and at the stage with us, and she looked like she had a great time. How are you, buddy? I'm fantastic. She did. uh, She wrote me a note as Lincoln and I were describing Matt Ryan taking a knee. Uh, and the note said, I'm so sorry I'm the bad luck charm. I shouldn't have come. I'm sorry they lost. <laughs> and I wrote back to her as we were describing the end of the game, I promise it's not your fault. <laughs> so her effort was strong, at least, JT. Uh, so at least there's that. <laughs> I look at this game, and I thought the key was, really the key was Matt Ryan playing. I'm hosting the pregame show at the Torch with you and yeah. Eric and you know, we're not getting that. And then I had a buddy of mine who, as I was leaving and going down to the field, said, and he was a gambler, so he's a gambler. And he's like, I'm on the Colts because Matt Ryan. And I was like, okay, they, they hit that pretty well. And I think that showed that Jeff Saturday had a voice with the owner to tell the owner to calm down. He wanted to fire the coach before him, bench the quarterback and all that. And Matt Ryan gave him a better chance to well, win. Well, a couple of things. So um, we have a, a feed um, in our booth that we get, you know, we're able to see replays and things. And a lot of times it's tied into the TV trucks, and, um, you know, they're running through graphics and things. And I wasn't sure if they were doing it just in case, cause they had Sam Ellinger third straight start. And then they had a graphic that said, Matt Ryan first start since week seven. So I wasn't sure exactly, uh, what it was. And I think they were just prepping and cause that's, you know, TV has got to be prepared for anything. Um, but, 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 but I had been, because I had seen that, I was, you know, an hour before kickoff being like, all right, well, maybe he's going to start. And even if he wasn't starting, JT, you kind of got the feeling during the week that Sam Ellinger, if it didn't go well, wasn't going to go the whole time because Jeff Saturday said, yes, Sam Ellinger's our starter, but it's going to be an open competition and remain that way. Look, I... I think there's a couple of different things here for the Colts. We'll get to the Raiders in a second. I, I, you know, we're all searching for a lot of different answers. I, I want to get to that in a moment. But, you know, the Colts have a really good defense. They have a former NFL Defensive Player of the Year at cornerback who made uh, – we all think it should be pass interference, mm-hmm. but he made that last play to end the game, and he wasn't even targeted most of the game. That's A. They have a solid front seven um, with really good linebackers and – outstanding defensive linemen who have been on the Pro Bowl. So you've got that. Um, you've got a 12th-year safety in Rodney McLeod. So the defense for them and Gus Bradley hasn't been the problem. It's been the offense. And if they can protect Matt Ryan, which they did against us, they got a shot to go on a run here and make the playoffs. And it doesn't even matter who the coach is, frankly. So that's the cult. For us, you were talking about energy. I know the last caller was talking about body language. Derek Carr has all the emotions in the world after the loss. He's talking that he, everybody should want it the same, all of those things. Um, you know, Mark Davis yesterday uh, quoted in a couple of different places is talking about Josh McDaniels and Rome wasn't built in a day and all of those things. There's a lot of people who are trying to describe a lot of different things, but the reality of this season, JT, is almost undescribable. Um, because there's no way to sugarcoat just how disappointing two and seven really is for a team that shouldn't be two and seven. Yeah, I think you put that in perspective brilliantly. 
It really is. It's super disappointing because we know the talent of this team and the talent of the team when they're playing well in games. And the inconsistency is something that you have to deal with because you call the play on radio before the TV feed. You know, I do this for a living at night, and I cover Monday Night Football, and I get the feed in my ear from Westwood One, you know, nine seconds before I see it on TV, and you're calling these plays and these pre-snap penalties before Raider fans over at all these places know anybody moves. And I think that's got to be frustrating to know that the team has field position or they're trying to gain it, and then they're going backwards. How do you see that, and how's that going to get cleaned up? Yeah, I don't know. And that's, and that's, you know, what's crazy about that. And Link and I talked about during the broadcast, the first, remember the, 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 the preseason, that was one of the things that Josh McDaniels talked about. We have to teach them how not to lose games. And it was focused on not having turnovers. It was focused on not having penalties that cost you gains, that kill drives, that cost you points. And, and the first four games, I want to say, they were. I, I want to say, with my prep going to Kansas City for Monday night in Week Five, I think I had on my board that it was the fewest penalties through four games in either Raiders history or thirty years for whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Like those things that Josh McDaniels had preached were working. And then the second half of the Chiefs game happened, and everything since then in regards to penalties has reverted back to what Raiders fans unfortunately are accustomed to which is all the penalties that kill a team, and in this case, a season. So, so that's certainly a major aspect that they have to get back to, and I don't know what happened because the first four weeks of the year, they were doing a great job. Uh, first four and a half games, really. A great job of not killing themselves with penalties. Um, but it's definitely come back to bite them. Jason Horowitz, kind enough to join us, the voice of the Silver and Black. So let's stay in some positive notes here and talk about Denver. I think they match up well. They beat them the first game. Before you got here as the voice of the Silver and Black, uh, they ran Vic Fangio out. They were really dominating. And Denver fans are freaking out because when I tell you about their disdain for the Raiders, Charger fans don't like the Raiders, but they don't matter. They don't have a lot of fans anymore at the level of the global Raider nation. And Kansas City, they deserve to be confident. They have owned the Raiders through several different regimes. But Denver... This drives Denver nuts because they think they're so much better. They were talking playoffs, even Super Bowl this year. And if they get swept by the Raiders again, I don't think Nate Hackett survives because they don't like his plan up there, but more importantly, his execution on the sidelines with the game plan. You know what's crazy about that? So to your point, Raiders have won seven of the last eight, including week four. So that's your point about how owning, owning the Broncos the last few years. Um, what's crazy about that is is the conversation about Denver going into the year was how dynamic the offense could be mm-hmm. with Javante Williams and Russell Wilson throwing to young, solid receivers and, and, and an offensive line that's stable. And what has happened is they are actually the exact opposite. They, and, I, and I haven't gotten this answer yet. It might be in their notes. I know they just put them out there. I know the NFL put its notes out this week. I don't know if this will be in there. Um, they have the worst scoring offense in the league, and they have the best scoring defense in the league. And I wonder if that has ever happened before in NFL history, where you have one team that is on the opposite end of the spectrum on offense and defense. I'm guessing the answer is yes, but I don't know that for a fact. And I don't know that Denver will finish there. But that's certainly where they are now, and we think we have injury problems, JT. Between the injuries that they've had and the guys that they've traded away, um, 
you know, you'd like to say this should be a win, but I think Raiders fans would have felt that way the last three weeks too. Jason Horowitz is our guest. You know, it's crazy about this team because a lot of the media bought in because of Russell Wilson. They forgot that they had to give up a lot to get Russell Wilson, and that's what the fans have triggered about. The fans know you're going to win and lose games, but they feel like they're stuck with this contract. And, you know, a a lot of fan bases would like to be stuck with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers' contract. They're like, okay, they're going to have a bumpy road. Look at Rodgers this year, Russell Wilson, but eventually they're going to be great. And I don't know that that's going to happen there. He's lost a little bit of his fastball, and both these quarterbacks have something in common. Russell Wilson doesn't run at the level he ever ran at anymore. He's done. I I think they want to protect him, and Derek doesn't run anymore. And I know Derek can run, and there are plays where you're calling a play, and everybody's covered downfield, and there are some lanes, and Derek just isn't taking off. So both these quarterbacks uh, need to run a little bit more, and maybe they will in this game. So there's some of that. The the, the one thing about the, the, the biggest lane that Derek had to run, though, was the one where he threw the 48-yard touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. So, so he chose not to. He would have picked up the first down, but he chose not to because he delivered an absolute strike on the run to Devontae, who, who then broke away at the 20 and took it the rest of the way. So, so that turned out to be a good decision not to run, at least from what the result was. Um, you know, look, I... I, I finished my Broncos stuff, and I and I was pulling up the week four versus versus what they are today, and like you look at their offensive line, and, and Dalton Reisner and, and Quinn Miners are there, but everybody else is totally moved around. They don't have their starting left tackle Garrett Bowles. They're two, they're two, not one, but two of their right tackles mm-hmm. have been injured, and Billy Turner left last week's game with an injury against Tennessee. Graham Glasgow, who, who, who was taken over at center because they lost their starting center, um, he got hurt with a knee injury, I believe it was, against t- Tennessee. So, like, you look at this offensive line, you're like, yeah, they, they should do what they did in week four. They sacked Russell Wilson three times. But, JT, that's 30% of the sacks that the Raiders have on the whole season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I don't know. And then, and then you're like, yeah, well, Russell Wilson doesn't run. But guess what? Neither is Matt Ryan. And it was a 39-yard run that, that ended up winning Indianapolis game. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Hey, last thing, one of the last things here, Daniel Carlson. I'm disappointed that he's not winning games for us because he's not getting the opportunity. I don't yeah. want to settle. I, I don't think anybody wants to settle for field goals, but there are times you really want a field goal when you have third and nine at your own 30 or 35 and you don't get any yards and you're like, all right, we can bring a guy in. This guy's automatic from 49 in let's bring him in but the Raiders are having you know we know in New Orleans they didn't get past the 50 with the starters with Derek and I'm just surprised man you know the Colts got out to a 10 nothing lead the Raiders kept going three and out those could have been maybe two field goals for Carlson that would have won the game in the fourth quarter he hasn't been a part of the game plan much why is that well I don't know well you know there there was the chance they were down 10 nothing they had the chance to bring him on for what would have been a 55-56 yarder on a fourth and two. Um, and they decided to go for it, and it worked because they kept that drive alive and ended up with the, with the one-yard touchdown, uh, with the uh, Josh Jacobs touchdown. Mm-hmm. So in that case, in that scenario, it, you know, it worked for Josh McDaniels not to bring him on. And for the most part, look, the Raiders haven't been good in two-point conversions, but they have been really good in fourth downs this year. I think their numbers right now are... 10 of 15 or 11 of 16, something like that. So generally speaking, end of games, you know, you have to win. Jacksonville has to win, you know, against Indianapolis. They've had misses on fourth down. But throughout the course of a game, they've been very good on fourth down. 
just not at the end of the game. Um, but Daniel Carlson, like I, 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 the reality is he hasn't kicked a field goal in a couple of weeks here since Jacksonville. Um, but at some point, JT, he's going to get a chance. His next make, assuming the next attempt is a make, he's going to tie Mike Vanderjack for second longest at, uh, consecutive makes in NFL history. Three more, he would tie Adam Vinatieri's record. Mm-hmm. Four more, he'd break it. Yeah, so that's big. yeah, you know, Mister Automatic, you, you certainly have that opportunity. Uh, Denver conditions, I think it's going to be. You know, I don't know what the, I don't think it's snow, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Well, I don't think we do a lot of things great here, but I think we do some things good. And one of the things we did is we're chronicling your first year, right? This is your first year. We ask you questions about cities and restaurants and travel and going home and your, your wife and kids and you bring your wife and daughter out here. What are you looking forward to calling a game like in Denver at the Mile High? So I have, unlike a lot of NFL stadiums that we haven't been to, that I haven't been to, I have been to a game uh, in Denver and I remember, so I have really bad circulation, JT, in my feet. <laughs> I remember <laughs> my feet were frozen in the second quarter, but they were playing Tom Brady and the Patriots. It was like four years ago. And like my, my buddy, who's one of my college roommates who lives there, I'm like, we can't go, right? He's like, no, we can't go. <laughs> so I can tell you that I will be bringing multiple pairs of socks uh, and a couple of hand warmers. Uh, and uh, I, I love Denver. I, you know, in terms mm. of cities, cities to enjoy, uh, Denver and then University of Colorado at Boulder is one of my favorite campuses around the country. Sure. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff about Denver that I do like, and hopefully that involves a win on Sunday afternoon too. You said it. Good to talk to you, my friend. Have a great rest of the week. All right, bud. I'll see you soon. All right, Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders, who I think has done a magnificent job. Uh, the calls are great. Uh, they're, they're high energy, very good. You know how, what I thought about the other guys in the past who were here. You know, it's nice having friends in life. All these guys are my friends. Some are new friends, but I value the older friends that I have that are no longer here, uh, including some of the past play-by-play voices. They're all good, man. The standard is high here on the Raiders, and Jason does a really nice job. And he had his daughter in studio, and that's cool. You know, I brought my son several times to work events with me, remotes, my shack interviews, things I've been able to do in the past, the access to some Raider events, and that's always nice. And it's, it's kind of cool to take your kid to work, and that meant a lot to Jason to have his nine-year-old daughter with him at the last game. 702-365-9200. Don't like to leave you on hold, so I'll get to you when I see you. Here's Robert in Portland coming off Jason Horowitz. Hello, Robert. Yeah, JT. Uh, you know, it's remarkable. Uh, he brought up a very good point. You know, about the Colts, they were fifth-rated defense going into the game. And, of course, he, he made a stand about that. And I thought that was excellent in that interview you just had. I, I think it's as simple as this. You look what Brian Dable has done with your Giants. Mm-hmm. I, I like what he did with Jones. He's got Barkley running his head off. Jacobs, in the two games they've won, he's run, he run the ball extremely well. I, this game up you know, I don't know what the weather is going to be up there. We don't know yet. But I think what they have to do is get back to um, g- ground control. I, mm-hmm. I, that's just my gut feeling because I don't think without Renfro and, and of course, Waller, um, I don't think they can win that game unless they run the ball right down their throats and he gets 100 and a quarter. What mm-hmm. do you think? I agree with you. I think that's a great point. I was going to get in into more of that analysis as we have some Denver insiders on this week. 
I think this is a running attack game. You're right. They're not passing the ball well. They're not pass protecting great. If they can get back to when they were playing well, they were running the ball with Josh. And I would do that. It's not that I don't have confidence in Derek. I have a lot of confidence in Devontae. I think he's just a beast. I love watching him play. And I know what Derek can do with him. But if Waller can't play and Renfro can't go, yeah. If you want to win the game, not be in the game, but win it, Josh Jacobs has to play a big role. And Josh has got to get back to some dominant games here. He's playing for a contract, either in Las Vegas or somewhere else. And I'd like to see him get back to 120, 130, where he was living and really playing aggressively. It's time to get back to him, 100%. Yeah, I I think that. That's a good call. But we all go in thinking there's a plan. Hey, they're going to run it this week. Oh, they're going to throw it this week. Well, I'd love to see him throw it more. I'd love to see it run it. And when I know something, I let you know. And I'm just disappointed that Waller can't get on the field. I'm disappointed. Do I hold it personally against Darren? No. I've met Darren not a lot, but, you know, 10 times. And I think Darren, it's always a great conversation, and he's a great human being and a sobriety story, uh, HBO, Real Sports, all of that. Uh, that hasn't left me. I just want to see Darren fight through this injury and play. He got a lot of money. He got a tremendous amount of money to lead this team. I don't care what his stats are. He gets 100 balls, gets 70. But he's got to be on the field. He's got to get through this. It's a hamstring injury. Okay, It's not a dislocated knee. It's not an Achilles but it could lead to a further injury if not propelled correctly going forward. And I think there's some frustration. You all know that now. It'd be nice for Darren to come back after this four-game IR and finish the season strong. He was rewarded with a big contract, some guaranteed money, and I know he wants to get out there. I just hope he's motivated to kick ass when he gets out there because that's the only Darren Waller I know is a superstar athlete who just started coming into his own. And the same could be said about Hunter Renfro. And we all, we're all we all shocked that the Hunter thing isn't working out perfectly, right? Especially with a play caller like Josh McDaniels, who made all his money going to the slot receiver. It's always fun to see that happen. Uh, Lester, okay, we'll get to Lester on the other side. We'll do that. I like the music. Turn it up, Bobby. Raider music. There's a library of it to play. Hey, thanks to Virgin Hotels, I have my podcast Friday upstairs at the old Money Baby location. It's now called the Skybox. Got some really good guests at 4 o'clock on Friday to get you going heading into the weekend. Virgin Hotels, Vegas. upset about at the last drive of regulation there coming off? Just every single play call, probably. Is there a reason those play calls were upsetting to you? Yeah, I feel like we were like 30 yards from ending the game in regulation. And also felt like it was two minutes, so I was going to be calling those, and I was in a pretty good rhythm. Obviously, I didn't have a ton of attempts tonight, but it felt like I was in a pretty good rhythm. I felt like I threw the ball just about exactly where I wanted to tonight. And so I want a chance to go win the game. Well, it's Aaron Rodgers. When he speaks, people listen. He didn't like to play Colin. He's the highest paid quarterback individually. 
per season. He's a four-time MVP. So now it's not a, it's not perfect for everybody around the league, everybody. Welcome back, Raider Nation Radio. As we continue on, uh, Howard Balzer will join us in a few minutes here, the Hall of Fame voter, as we go around the league. We're taking your calls to the top of the hour, 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. You know, on the show today, we're talking a lot about body language. Body language of players. We need to see better body language. Some of the best I've ever seen my whole life, Charles Woodson. I saw it at Michigan on the way to winning the Heisman Trophy. I saw it in Oakland when he came to the Raiders. I saw it in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I see it with Charles when he's at Allegiant Stadium. He walks around with an air of confidence. Confidence because of his greatness. And now his greatness is also his broadcast and business career. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Wherever you get your bourbon, wherever you don't see it, ask for it and get back to me. And we'll make sure that we follow through and tell everybody about Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. It's fantastic. It was great when he was out here for his golf tournament because he was mixing it with all different types of drinks. And everybody loved it. We thank Charles Woodson for being a proud partner of our show. Lester, thanks for waiting. You're up next on the flagship. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Thanks for taking the call. Um, you know, what's been going on recently, I think slowly but surely, hopefully Mark Davis, David Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, maybe Carr as well, they limit their time of what they say now because, you know, slowly but surely you could, you could pick apart things now. Okay, mm-hmm. You could set Mark Davis and Ziegler the last couple days and weeks. They paint a rosy picture, right? Uh, things are fantastic, and you're looking at Carr being very emotional uh, and, and upset, and Josh McDaniels acting like he doesn't know what Carr's talking about. So right now I think you can tell there's a little bit of a disconnect uh, mm-hmm. between the coach and the, and the quarterback, and we've been hearing this. So slowly but surely we've been hearing something. There's a plan, right, JT? There's a, there's a plan in place and so forth. And unfortunately, I think you know it's going to be looking like we're – Carr and, and, and the defensive coordinator, Graham, are going to be scapegoated, and they're going to hope to get somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a McDaniels guy, who's a free agent next year, to come in, and that's going to be a McDaniels guy, and then they're going to hire a different defense coordinator and completely rebuild that. Because what's going on is that over the years, they completely destroyed Gus Bradley's defense, who was you know, relatively respectable last season, mm-hmm. but then they brought in their own guys on the defensive side, supposedly, to run their stuff. They didn't have a cornerback. No defensive tackles. We had a pretty decent defensive tackle, uh, defensive line last year. There's no penetrators or disruptors up the middle. So that's on them. So I think that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. I think Carr's going to be scapegoated, and so is Graham, and then we're going to be stuck. And obviously, uh, Mark Davis doesn't want to buy out Josh McDaniel's contract after the first year. So uh, get ready, Raider Nation. There's going to be a, a rebuild going on, and they're going to hope to get a top three pick as well. Oh, I don't know what they're going to do with the pick. Appreciate the call. You don't have to hang up when you're done. You can say goodbye. A uh, couple things. I don't know who they're going to keep or leave. We can assume that they're going to try to get out of some contracts. They're going to try to set themselves up for the draft. They could have a great high draft pick and keep Derek and trade back and get two first rounders. There's a lot that's going to go on here, but I'm not comfortable talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. I get too much time to kill during the Raider draft to have to deal with it now. Again, are they going to make moves? They're going to make moves. Is Mark Davis happy? The fantastic word. He's having a conversation. Having a conversation. He's upbeat. He's trying to lift up the fans. He's trying to tell everybody it's not as bad. Look at the plan there. If he says fantastic or Rome wasn't built in a day, I know Mark. You know Mark over the years. 
Mark, when you talk to him, I've never seen a guy stop him anywhere. He'll talk to you for 10 minutes about the team and all that. So if you want to take a word out and all this, that's what they're doing. Stephen A., my friend's doing it. A lot of other people are doing it. I know Mark. He's trying to be really upbeat here because he's got an organization to run and he wants it to win. And it's not going along swimmingly this year. It's really shocking to everybody. He knows it. I know it. You know it. Everybody in the building knows it. And they got to turn it around. And the only way they're going to turn it around is with better players. Is that a knock on some of the players here? Well, take it for what you want. I just know that they need better players, and that's how I could take the high road on this. Don't want to rip the players who are here, but I can tell you that they won't be here. And there'll be better players along the way, and I trust Dave Ziegler for that. I'm just getting to know him, and I trust that he'll be able to do that with his plan and his grading system, which is really what they're going to live and die with on bringing in the right players to fit the system. All right, Howard Balzer joins us. He covers the Cardinals now, does a great job. Cardinals are on Hard Knocks on HBO. He's a Hall of Fame voter. He's also on SiriusXM NFL Radio. We talk to him about once a month. Howard, great to have you on. I want to begin first with the Munich game. Roger Goodell has to be very happy about the turnout in Germany and how the fans were totally invested in the game. No no question about it, JT. In fact, I mean, even before the game, uh, during the week, they were so emboldened and so thrilled by the response that uh, Goodell was, I mean, they've already signed up essentially to do, you know, several more years of this. And he was basically saying that they expected to continue uh, after that. And then what happened during the game was even better aside from just the, the game being a good one, obviously, but uh, certainly the, the fans were into it. The crowd was stoked. You know, Tom Brady said it was one of the best experiences he's had in his, his career and then, then at different points in the game, the crowd singing, you know, Sweet Caroline and Country Rose, Take Me Home. I mean, it was just an incredible, incredible environment. And I think it's kind of the point now, too, JT, that even though it can be a little bit of a drag on teams with the travel and all that, but, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the, team, a lot of the players enjoy, uh, do, you know, doing these trips because it's something different. They deal with the travel for, for one, t- you know, for one, one game. Uh, but, uh, you know, even though some, one team has to give up a home game, it's, it still becomes something that is just gonna, I, I, I'm fairly certain is going to continue to grow and grow and maybe even in other cities in Europe in the, com- in the coming years. No doubt about it. In Munich, it's the first time, so it was really big, and the coverage was great. And some teams might be getting tired with London a bit because they've been doing it a while. It just looked like Munich knocked it out of the park. When you saw Brady's performance there after the issues in his personal life and the divorce, which they cleaned up during the season, believe that. A lot of divorces don't get cleaned up and closed out during a season. And now he's on a two-game winning streak into the bye week, and the world champion Rams are going nowhere. And there's teams like Seattle that he beat. And looking around the rest of the league, I think Brady is energized again that he can get this team back on track to win. Yeah, I, I never doubted. Well, you, you never know, obviously. But, you know, I, how many times has Tom Brady, or even when he was still with New England, how many times have people tried to bury him and that team in the past? And it never seemed to happen. And surely that was happening early in the year. People were all talking about, oh, his body language and this and that. And and obviously there were things going on with his wife. But I think what's happened there is, you know, on several levels, is that, you know, know, it looks like Chris Godwin at the receiver is is finally back and, you know, looking looking like he can contribute in this last part of the season, coming back from his knee injury. The offensive line that was really hurt in the offseason by the departure of two guards and then early in training camp, with Ryan Jensen getting hurt. They've had some continuity now 
on the line for a little bit even after those losses, and, and the offensive line is playing better. And that defense uh, was lights out in that game against Seattle, and they had had, they had had some struggles. So, I mean, what the heck? Now, if they were in a different division, maybe there wouldn't be as much confidence because they're sitting at 500 but in first place. But I don't know if there's – you know, certainly it looks like they're, they're certainly the favorite to win, win that division – and as we all know, JT, once you're, once you're in the tournament, as they say, anything can happen, and you can never count out the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, obviously. The great Howard Balzer, kind enough to join us, Hall of Fame voter. What would you take out of Derek Carr and the emotions that he showed after the loss to Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis? He really was shaken up in that post-game press conference. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I, I think it was, you know, it was tough, you know, it was, you know, just hearing it and and seeing the struggles that team has had when there was so much there was so much high hope and expectations uh, for that team after making uh, the playoffs last year and and you know you, you wonder if deep, certainly he's not going to say it JT but you wonder if deep down I mean here here you lose to the Colts with an interim head coach who is certainly not an X's and O's guy in terms of putting putting his stamp on the team he's just basically a leader of men. And that's why last last week, when everybody was piling on the Colts and Jim Irsay for doing this, I said, "Well, let's tap the brakes on this because I've always mm-hmm. thought the teams can look more for leaders in that head coach position than just the boring, tried and true, you know, way of just hiring the hot coordinator who you never know if they can be a head co- a good head coach and a leader of an entire team." And you, uh, you wonder, JT. If deep down Derek Carr is thinking, not that he has any issues with Josh McDaniels and all that, but the Raiders are in pretty good shape last year with that type of head coach, you know, mm-hmm. who's an interim guy, Rich Passaccia, who is a special teams guy. I think more teams should look at special teams coaches to be head coaches because they always deal with more players on the roster than any other assistant coach on the staff. And most of them are, are leaders, you know, and in a lot of ways are more leaders than, than, than the other aspects of it. And I wonder if deep down he's thinking, hey, maybe we would have been better off sticking with what we had. And so it doesn't mean it can't turn around. It doesn't mean that it won't get better. But obviously there's a lot of frustration there for a guy who's gone through an awful lot with that franchise and doesn't have a whole lot to show for it. Howard Baldwin joins us. What a classic game between Buffalo and Minnesota. More about Buffalo being sloppy and not executing, especially the fumble in their own end zone and the Josh Allen interception i just thought they were sloppy and i think they're a better team than minnesota but what a massive win for the vikings and a tone setter going the rest of the way more of a vikings win for you and great performance or more of a bills collapse at home well really you have to look at both sides of it and i think you can accentuate both because right now you're looking at a bills team that suddenly has two teams ahead of them in the division which certainly no one would have expected before the season started so they're going to be in a dogfight most likely the rest of the way because what's happening with them has given those other teams more confidence. That's a, that's a division, by the way, that has all four teams over 500. And then you look at the Vikings who just find ways to win. Whatever it is, they find ways to win. We all know, JT, that this is a league of close games. And normally what separates teams is who wins the close games and who loses them. The Vikings are now, with that 8-1 and one record, they've won seven games in a row, and every one of those games has been a one-score game. And there's been a couple that were eight, but there's also been a bunch that were three or four, or whatever it might be. They're winning those close games, and you build that confidence, and the defense is playing better. They've got playmakers on offense. 
an offensive line that has been healthy all season. And like I said, they're, they're just playing with a tremendous amount of confidence now. And when they fall behind, heck, you know, they were behind by 17 points in that game, and they came back to win it. And so when you, when you have that kind of confidence, that bodes well for, for you for the rest of the season. We'll see if they can maintain it, but they've, they've been doing, doing the little things right that help you win games. Uh, finally, Green Bay getting a four and six. They trail Minnesota by five games in the loss column. No chance, I think, of catching them. But there's a chance for the wild card here as we look at the playoffs. If it was going to start for Green Bay, it had to start with that win against the Cowboys. A lot of emotion on Mike McCarthy's return. Dallas is up by 14. Do you see a glimmer of hope here for Green Bay? But too many losses early probably doesn't get him a chance to get into the playoffs. What do you see there with Aaron Rodgers? It, it, it probably doesn't. But, you know, here's the thing about it. I mean, right now in the NFC, JT, there are six, six teams with winning records. And three of them are in the NFC East, which is a little bit of a surprise uh, to be sure. And so if you at this point say, well, the two teams that don't win the division are going to be in the playoffs, then that means there's a spot for one more. And that's from a group of teams. And you don't know what's going to happen with Seattle and San Francisco. And so, you know, San Francisco is, you know, one game over 500. And so, but that's only what two games ahead of, you know, the Packers at four and six, which is why that game was so important. So, so from that group of teams, you know, the, the second place team in the NFC West, and then, and who, who knows who will that be? If it'll be Seattle or San Francisco, Arizona won a desperation game to get to four and six. You've also got Atlanta at four and six. I don't know how many people take them seriously, but yeah. that seventh team is going to come from a, from that probably from that group of clubs and so who will it be i mean so you give the packers just as good a chance as just about anyone else in there maybe not as much as san francisco or or the second place team in the nfc west but they 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 at least believe they can be in the hunt and without that without that win on sunday boy i mean obviously there's a lot of difference between being four and six and three and seven so that was huge huge for them but you know they, they still have a lot of issues that they have to overcome to to get to let's say nine wins i mean i don't know if nine and eight gets that last playoff spot but just think mm-hmm. of that to get to nine and eight they, they've got to win five you know of their last uh, what their last uh, their last seven games and that's that's not going to be easy to do but perhaps they're capable we'll see thank you my friend we'll talk to you after thanksgiving have a great holiday same to you jt we'll look forward to talking to you later take care thank you howard and that's interesting can the packers do that yeah they can do that because they have Aaron Rodgers. When you have a leader like Aaron Rodgers with four MVPs, a Super Bowl ring, and you're four and six, and he's saying, quote, quote, Aaron Rodgers said yesterday, quote, we're not dead. That's a leader. He's telling you they're not dead. They got to run. They might not get there. Four and six is not where you want to be. Two and seven is not where the Raiders want to be. But you're seeing a quarterback who's been down the road. He's very media savvy. Rodgers likes to say we're not dead because he wants to get the media coverage. He wants people to talk about him. But the Titans are at the Packers, and that's coming up on Thursday, man, and the Titans are good. Raider Nation knows that. The Titans beat the Raiders. That was their first win, and they've been on a roll since. Had a tough game with Kansas City, but that's going to be a hell of a game because if the Packers lose that one, I think they're out of it at 4-7. and seven. But they get to 5-6, and six, they could get right back into this thing. you got to have hope, man. Got to have hope. That's what we were hoping for the last couple of weeks with New England, Jacksonville, and Indianapolis. And the Raiders weren't up for the challenge. They got to get up for this game against Denver. Let's get out to Snow Raider. He's out in Tahoe. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead.
Hey, JT, thanks. Uh, there's a quote out there that says, difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. I got to agree with what Mark Davis is doing. And you just can't fire coaches after, you know, six, seven, eight games. And all those trollers on Twitter, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. It's going to take time for this process to work. Players are buying in. They're working hard. You know, they're going through. They want to get their own guys and stuff. But, yeah, it's stormy waters and so forth. But was it hyped up too much for the season? Yeah, I fell for a little bit of that. But, hey, you know, next year is next year. We got this year to reevaluate, win some games, get this new identity together, and get the Raiders going. We got the holidays going here. You know, I'm still going to buy some Christmas stuff for my kids, some Raiders stuff. I'm going to be out there for the Chargers game in a few weeks. I'm looking so forward to coming by the torch, seeing you and Eric Allen, getting the experience for my first time out there. And I'm still going to be a Raider fan. Been once since 76. That's not going to change. Yeah, do I want wins? Does it make it better? For sure. But people just got to calm down a little. Things don't happen overnight. And, yeah, the expectations were high, but I'm still all in. Raider Nation all the way. Thank you for what you do. We'll see you at the torch in a few weeks. Thank you, my friend. Nice to hear that. Nice to get that type of tone from a call, but we like the uh, the aggressive calls. We like the energetic calls, even the negative calls. Some thick skin here. <laughs> We're good. We are good. I look forward to being out at the torch. Next two weeks, we'll be at the M Resort. Spawn Casino. We love the M. And, man, do they have a big event coming up starting November 23rd. You can head out to M and see what I think is going to take over this town, the Snow Carnival, the Holiday Forest, M Resort Spa and Casino here in Vegas. It kicks off November 23rd, the Snow Carnival. Losing sucks. Sucks this way even worse. Um, horrendous second half. I gotta be better. I gotta be better. Who's that, Bobby? There, my my ear was closed for a moment. Josh Allen, thank you. They're in sixth place. The Buffalo Bills. I'm happy you played that. I want to get to that before we wrap it up. The Buffalo Bills are the sixth seed, and they only take seven seeds in the AFC. I predicted them to win the Super Bowl. And I believe that they would win easily. I thought that they would not win the Super Bowl easily, but get there because they'd have home field advantage. So I thought that they'd be the one seed, get a bye week, and the playoffs would go through Buffalo. That's not looking like the case now. It's not looking like Buffalo's going to really have to earn it here. The NFC side is starting to shape up as Philadelphia lost last night. And they got dominated. And just remember, if you can't beat Heineke at home, Taylor Heineke at home, then you might lose the NFC Championship game at home. Correct? If they, if the Washington Redskins, now the Commanders, can beat you that way, anybody can. So your division leaders in the NFC are the Eagles eight and one, the Vikings eight and one, Seahawks are the three seed at six and four, and the Bucks. I want to mention the Bucks are five and five. They're the four seed because they're ahead in their division, and they're every all the division winners go to the playoffs. The Giants are seven and two. Dallas is six and three, and San Francisco is five and four. The Bucks are seated higher than them with the worst record. So my point is, whoever loses the NFC East, let's say it's the Giants or the Cowboys or the Eagles, they're going to have to go to Tampa Bay in the first round. Could you imagine if the Eagles go from eight and one, and the Giants or the Cowboys win the division, and the Eagles have to open up at Tampa Bay? 
Good luck with that. I don't care how good Jalen Hurts is. So playoff positioning is something other teams are talking about. We're not doing that here for obvious reasons. Raiders got to get a win in Denver. Rest of the week is a preview of Denver. I got an event tonight with Jim Plunkett I'll tell you about tomorrow. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the silver and black. Howard Balzer, great NFL Hall of Fame voter. And Paul Gutierrez, who's got a lot of content up there. Thanks for listening. Appreciate all of our proud partners. We'll be back tomorrow at noon. I work with Q already today. Know he has a big show lined up next. Appreciate you listening to Raider Nation Radio.